This episode is brought to you by LSW London, whose mission is to create beautiful, effective products to help people live their most authentic, fulfilled lives. As Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. If we repeatedly do things which make us happy, what could that lead to? All of their products are designed with this in mind, to help people live with intention, creating healthy habits each day, which positively impact mental health, well-being and self-care. So let's start with their mind cards. These are a gorgeous little bundle of mixed cards where you select a card at random and take the actions stated on it. There are different versions for kids or new mums, for example, and just wouldn't that make such a special gift? Well, you know I love to self-gift. And these mind cards are perfect for building the habit of making positive choices each day to help you lead a more fulfilling and happy life. Whether it's to express gratitude, reflect on a thought or a prompt to get you to spend more time journaling. Well, speaking of journals, LSW London are stunning their mind notes one is a six month undated daily well-being journal but they also have a morning notes version which is specifically for use in the morning to help you start each day with a positive mindset and to encourage you to identify obstacles which you can utilize in a way that benefits you Best of all, they're a small female-owned business. Lily has used her expertise as a therapist to create all of these fantastic wellbeing tools so that they're easy and accessible to everyone all around the world. So use code BOOKRECOS for 20% off everything at www.lswmindcards.com for great quality, beautiful mindfulness products. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. And today we are chatting to Bethany Rasser, author of Welcome to Your Life, which is an absolute joy of a book that should be on everyone's reading list this summer. Yep, we met Bethany at an event run by Inc. 84 a few weeks ago and we're totally charmed by her and her book and we just had to bring this discussion to the pod. Happy Sunday, Lauren. Happy Sunday, Jessica. I have got my LSW mind cards with me here. Um, if you didn't skip the ad at the beginning of the episode, everybody, you will know that this month's sponsor is LSWA London. Um, and they do really, really gorgeous journals that we've showed on our Instagram. And also these mind cards, which if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know that mindfulness is not something that I just do. Um, <laughs> it doesn't come naturally to me. So these are little prompts that will help you to be more mindful. And there's lots of different categories. Mm. How are you finding yours, Lauren? I love mine because they're really, and I'm not just saying this because they're sponsoring the pod, but they're really actionable. Mm. So like, you know, some mindful cards, you can be a bit like, it's just a nice quote. And you're like, okay, that's nice, but that's like not going to make me do anything for today. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I'm a These are rooted in doing something to build a habit or create a ritual or to you know journal free write or whatever so that you actually integrate more than just thinking about being mindful but actually do a mindful action exactly and that is what I told Lauren we should do today together mm-hmm. um I've bossed her about once more and so I've just pulled out one of the cards although I have just lost it <laughs> <laughs> where's it gone 
while you're finding it all of the cards are broken into i think four categories so you've got some cards which are rituals so they'll like incite they'll ask you to do something ritualistic in your day there's journals so some cards are like journal topics there's reflection so some are you know asking you to reflect on a quote or something and then you've got gratitude as well which are I, I really like the gratitude cards okay and I found the card that I decided we should answer okay which Hit is me. what is your idea of ultimate happiness Oh, I like that. And this is a journal question. This is a journal prompt. So you would read this and it sort of gives you something to think about when you're writing in your journal, which I love because I don't think I, without a prompt, I'd probably be like, today I had cereal for breakfast and then I logged on. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It's a good way to like frame your thinking, isn't it? Exactly. So hit me, Lauren, idea of ultimate happiness, go. The first thing that springs to mind is a beach, sunny weather, and a good book maybe a cocktail what would yours be well I think mine is um staying in (laughs) not socializing even though I love to socialize but what came to my head was just like in the garden the sun has to be shining and I'm with a book maybe with my boyfriend like just the ultimate calm and not having to think about anything or yeah conversation Love that. I don't know what that says about me. That's that's a mindful activity. But that is what popped into my head when I read mm-hmm. it. I've just drawn one of the ritual cards, which I really like. And I think everyone, this is a good ritual for this audience. Okay. Turn off your phone, curl up on your favourite sofa or armchair and dedicate at least 30 minutes to reading a book. Done. I mean, done. I can do that today. But like that, I think that's so important because like, Reading can be a mindful activity, which you aren't thinking about anything really, are you? You're just switching off from the world. And these cards are really great at just making sure that you're at least, what, 15 minutes of every day you're detaching from work or whatever's going through your mind. Yeah. And like away from your phone. Yeah. The notifications. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Um, Love that. I feel like we should do this every day, Lauren. Yeah, me too. Like FaceTime and be like, okay, what are you going to do? What what, <laughs> what ritual are you doing today? Although I also think that mindfulness is just doing it by yourself. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't <laughs> think it's group exercise. <laughs> There's me being like, I don't like to socialise and then being like, do you want to do mindfulness with me? Together. <laughs> anyway, before we get on to today's episode, which is a glorious interview with Bethany Rutter, um, I just wanted to chat to you about Pandora's book of the month because I'm absolutely buzzing for it, Lauren. Oh, yes. So am I, actually. My box arrived yesterday. Oh, mine hasn't arrived yet. And I'm so excited because I'm like, this is... But tell everyone what the book is. interests me. So it's called The Empire of Pain. It's her first nonfiction pick. And it is... I've just got the little sonop up. And uh, so it's by the award-winning author of Say Nothing. He turns his penetrating gaze to the stupendously wealthy and influential Sackler family, probing the dark and murky methods they have employed to amass their fortune. So in this gripping and shocking story of three generations of the Sackler family and their roles in the stories of the opioid crisis, um, the Sackler name adorns the walls of many storied institutions, Harvard, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Oxford, 
the, the Louvre. They are one of the richest families in the world, known for their lavish donation in the arts and sciences. The source of the family's fortune was vague, however, until it was emerged that the Sacklers were responsible for making and marketing OxyContin, a blockbuster painkiller that was a catalyst for the opioid crisis, an international epidemic of drug addiction, which has killed nearly half a million people. And I'm very interested in this topic, having watched that Louis Theroux documentary. And I think I've even talked about it on the podcast before. So I can't wait. Yeah, same. I, I think it's fascinating, that whole, the opioid crisis. Um, and so just a reminder, if you just go to pandorasbooks.co.uk, then you can subscribe to receive the month, whatever the monthly book is, it will just go straight to your door. It's selected by Pandora herself. So it's almost like it's a bit of a surprise. It's a bit of a surprise, really, isn't it? And if you use code RECOS10, R-E-C-C-O-S-1-0, you can get 10% off. And actually part of the um, subscription is that you get a monthly newsletter from her that has more RECOS from her. Mm. which I really enjoyed reading last month being like oh that meant put that book on my radar yeah um right let's get to the episode um right welcome to the book records podcast Bethany we are absolutely thrilled to have you join us today thank you so much for having me I'm so hyped to be here <laughs> um Bethany would you mind kicking us off by telling listeners what welcome to your life is all about So Welcome to Your Life is the tale of a gal called Serena who is just about to get married and I mean literally about to get married. It is her wedding day um, and it dawns on her at the last possible minute that she cannot possibly get married to her fiancé Alistair who she's been with since they were at university, that she has just been sort of plodding through her life and she cannot let it continue she cannot get married so she runs out on her wedding moves out of the small town they've been living in moves in with an old friend in London and begins her life again at the you know in her late 20s and that means dating for the first time ever dating for the first time ever as a plus size gal and dealing with her feelings about her body and it's so good there was (laughs) so much I loved about your book same um so it's not a spoiler, you've just said it. Serena um, jilts her fiancé and we find her in the nearby Harvester, which I loved. Spent so much of my teenage years in Harvester. <laughs> um, and I loved the moment when Serena has to Google, is it still called jilting if it's a woman who leaves a man at the altar? Because it's so true. And I guess we're just so accustomed to hearing stories of men who jilt brides. Yeah. Um, and I wondered, did you put that in because you had to Google it yourself? um yeah I guess it was something that I I had sort of never thought about you know the way that we're like uh if a man is having an affair then he has a mistress but like mm. what does a woman have you know like all of these yeah. things are very geared around kind of like male desire and male sexuality um yeah so I was like yeah what is that what is it do do ladies jilt I guess they do. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess from that whole thought process of oh hang on and then it made me think what was your first idea, if any? Was it to write about a book about a woman who jilts her mm. fiancé or was it to write a book about a plus-size woman on the dating scene or was so it, it both? <laughs> no, very, very much the latter. So all of my books, so I, uh, Welcome to Your Life is my first novel for adults, but it's the third, my third novel. So I've had two 
uh, young adult novel was published before called No Big Deal and Melt My Heart. And they're all about like chub gals dating. Like that's basically what I'm interested in is kind of romance through the lens of plus size women or like girls. Um, so that that's always kind of the thing that I'm interested in exploring is I, I, I loved my dating life and, but I know that I cannot have experienced it any other way than as the person that I am, which is mm. a plus size woman. So I feel like that gives you this kind of like, not unique, but a distinctive way of looking at dating or experiencing romance and yourself and your body in relation to like what you expect from love and sex and dating. Um, so yeah, and I feel like that is not massively explored in women's fiction. Totally. Um, the default protagonist is like generally a thin woman because most authors end up being, you know, maybe being thin women. So I, it's always felt for me something that I've really wanted to explore. Yeah, really loved that. And I want to come on to that in a bit more detail in a minute. Um, but firstly, just looking at Serena as a character then, she's this, She, I, I loved her. She's like so, she has so much life to her. Um, and I just really like that you're starting a book or you've created a book where it's okay to start or sort of reinvent yourself at 28 because, you know, that's not a narrative that we're um, told about enough. And um and I think many of us can relate to Serena at some point in our lives because I think essentially she just wakes up on her wedding day and instead of feeling, you know, the, the good sort of jitters and excitement, she's sort of just thinking, is this it? And there's nothing explicitly wrong with her relationship. I mean, her partner, he seems like a solid guy. He, you know, he's not nasty or toxic or anything. She just feels like she's settling um, when she actually wants a bigger life and desires more. So can you share a little bit about how you got to that decision to decide that, you know, how, how did you come to that sort of decision in the book? So I think something that I quite like exploring in my fiction is not necessarily kind of making big decisions or living a liberated lifestyle as a response to something big or traumatic necessarily. It's more just like we are all entitled to having a life that we find enjoyable or pleasurable or exciting. Yeah. And to kind of, to put that into fiction, often that does get sort of, you know, like the kind of, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example, but like books where someone sort of reinvents themselves or starts their life again, it is often in response to like a big mm. event. Eat, pray, um, love. Yeah, exactly. Like that kind of eat, pray, love kind of thing. Yeah. And obviously this isn't eat, pray, love. It's a much, much, much smaller scale. But yeah, I guess I just write things where people do not need to have yeah. the inciting incident be something really bad. It can just be like you you understand on a deep level that you are not happy with your life or that you want something else or that things are not necessarily going the way that you want them to. And because that is the reality of most people's lives. Like most people do yeah. not have these kind of, you know, I hope most people do not have these like huge life altering events, but we all have this kind of conversation with our inner selves um, well, you know, whatever you're doing outwardly, I think we all know on some level whether we are at peace with it or yeah. mm -hmm. excited by it. And that really comes across the certain things you wrote about what she was thinking was so believable. 
and done so so well and then what you were just saying then about like everybody should be able to live the life they want to live that so comes across and none of it comes across as this huge dramatic thing it's like well of course she does and and in the book you mention how at first when Serena starts online dating she's going for men that she think will like her back and then there's this change when she has a specific conversation and then she's like no that guy's really hot and I'm gonna swipe for him and I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna boost my confidence and I'm gonna go for whoever I want and I so loved seeing that change in her and so we for listeners um we first met bethany at an event at in katie four books with um herself and also sook odgler and it was a book about diverse bodies in romantic fiction and we chatted a little bit about this then but i just wanted to give you the floor to tell our <laughs> listeners who weren't part of our conversation then a little bit more about um that whole decision and yeah. serena's transition to confident woman so that's been a really interesting part you know because you you sort of write these books and you're at home you're writing your book and then you send it to your agent and then you work on it with your agent and then your agent sends it to publishers and then you talk to publishers about the book but it's sort of it's very much like a kind of a thing that doesn't really exist in the world until the book is released and you don't really know how people will respond to it because the only people that have been responding to it are like professional publishing people So it's been really interesting since the book has come out to have these conversations with, you know, not just plus size women, but generally plus size women about that. And that is the thing that they have really responded to is the, you know, that kind of narrative thread about how we date. And for so many of us, it it was a question of like, that's how you looked at, at the dating pool was who of these people will maybe find me attractive and I don't know on what basis we're making those judgment calls yeah but there is just this instinctive thing of like if I think they're hot then they're probably too good for me so I can only really go for someone that I'm not that interested in but who I think is like safe and will be like a safe bet and will probably find me attractive um and that is something that so many people have wanted to talk to me about and has felt like a thing that a lot of us have done Mm. and a lot of people are not out of that pattern yet and I, I think a lot of people have read this book and been like um that that's what I've really enjoyed about the response to the book is people is people saying like I'm going to do some online dating now or like I'm going to go to a spin class or like I'm going to do this thing on my I'm going to like someone was like I'm going to go to the theater on my own and I was like yes so cool (laughs) people coming out of the book feeling like they want to do something that's a really like nice nice response um but yeah the whole like dating perspective that's been a really interesting thing because obviously I knew that I did it but I didn't know that it was a thing that other chub gals were also doing so you put it in your book and was like, maybe this will speak to other people. Yeah. And I mean, the difference is insane. The dates that she goes on at the yeah. beginning of the book, whilst hilarious to read, I very much enjoyed the eccentric, was it date number eight? The guy, the guy who was yeah. like yeah, I know so jovial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, loved him. <laughs> but they're so different to the dates that she ends up going on when she realises that actually she Why should, should I lower my standards? Wants- yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I no surprise that that has spoken to other people because it's so different and the the vibes are just so different and it's fab 
just found yes. and that was very like true to my actual experience of dating so I'm now like an old married lady now but <laughs> I went on a lot of dates back in the day and that was you know what happened for me was you know I I went on loads of dates and they were not like bad like no one you know assaulted me or harassed me you know it wasn't like there was anything tangibly bad about the dates but they were just not good and they were not the people that I was attracted to mm, and then yeah. like overnight changing how I approach dating that was like day and night like it was really um yeah just instantly the vibes changed everything became much more fun and much more joyful I had a much better time um, and, you know, I hope I am married to my husband forever, but it does, you know, it means that I now have this understanding that like, if heaven forbid, I am one day single again, like it is not the worst thing in the world to be yeah, yeah. a club gal dating. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and she even like gives off a different vibe um, to like in real, in yeah. real life, once she changes her approach to how she swipes, it's then like she's almost like magnetically drawn to other people in real life scenarios that you mentioned that a uh, theater scene and bloody love that scene. But in terms of like writing about fat bodies in fiction, I have never, there has literally never been a time when like an editor of my young adult novels or of my adult novels has wanted to sort of modify or water down or like amend the way that I talk about bodies and people so I've been very lucky in that regard but I guess it's partly because if if it's not like loads of people are doing this it's sort of good to make it what it is like to accept that Bethany Rutter writes books about you know fat women and fat girls and that if you're going to buy you know if, if as a publisher you're going to buy a book from me you you know what it is and mm. like you're buying it because you think that there is a gap in the market mm. and that there is value in like this stuff so yeah I've been lucky that everyone's just been like yep you know what you're doing like I think granted (laughs) you know what your life is like and what kind of stories you want to tell about it um but yeah that's good to hear um so another thing we loved about your book which is no surprise being two best friends was the female friendships in your book um so after moving to London Serena gets a job at a jewelry brand and she meets the delight that is Nicole mm-hmm. um, who's also plus size but unlike Serena her size isn't something she ever feels self-conscious about and she's really the catalyst for Serena's journey into becoming confident in her body yes. and I mean we can all do with a friend like Nicole she's just fabulous and she really inspires Serena to break out of old ways of thinking and push herself out of her comfort zone and I bet she was a really fun character to write. Did did you have a favorite? Was she your favorite? Yeah, I think she was she was my favorite. <laughs> and I think she's a lot of people's favorites. Um yeah, she's just so much fun. And my original intention, because I had like a two-book contract with HarperCollins, so the first book would be Welcome to Your Life. And then my intention was that the second book would be a book about Nicole. <gasps> oh. But then when I came to write it, I was like, uh, I feel really I, I felt like I just needed a clean slate I didn't okay to write whatever I wanted um I wanted to be able to write whatever I wanted without worrying about something that I'd said in Welcome yeah. to Your Life that mm-hmm. would undermine something that I was trying to say in 
whatever book two would be um you know like Nicole you know something about like her family or her background or whatever like that just wouldn't add up and I was like I can't like it's gonna be too annoying I I need to yeah this with like a new a fresh page so instead of making it um a book about Nicole I have instead made it a book about a Nicole-like person um so you know I, I see you know that meme of like inside you are two wolves um <laughs> I feel like my two wolves are like Serena and Nicole and they represent yeah. the two parts of my adult life and like my dating life is that I I yeah. was Serena and then I became Nicole so I feel like there's always potential in me to explore characters that either feel very kind of like self-conscious and like inhibited by their bodies and their potential for fun in their, their life or someone who's very like I deserve to have a fun life and if I yeah. can say anything that is fun and enjoyable I will do that so yeah I, I, I knew that I wanted my second adult book to be a book about someone who is more in the Nicole mold and that is what it is so that is my that's what I'm working on at the moment I'm editing my second adult book which unfortunately is not a Nicole book but is you know if you like Nicole you will enjoy yeah amazing can't wait (laughs) (laughs) um so I want to talk about the dates a little bit more because they were by far my favourite scenes. They were just so funny. Um, so I think, is it Tinder that Serena downloads? Is it? Yeah. T- yeah. Um, and she goes on a number of hilarious dates. Um, hilarious in part because I think I've dated several of the weirdos that, that Serena comes across. And how did you get inspo for all of them? Are some of them based on your own dating experiences? Or were you just like, okay, what are the worst types of dating, you know, tropes that we could we could throw in here? Yeah, it was a bit of both. It was like, what did I experience and how can I maximize that? for? Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, there isn't like there's kind of nothing worse than sitting across the table from someone oh, where from like minute one, you know that you have nothing in common and you are not no. having a good time. And like, I think that was one of the things that I really learned about dating was like, it literally, you know, once you're, once you're in that pub, once you're sitting at that table, once you have a full pint, it doesn't <laughs> you're in it. <laughs> how good looking the person is. It is entirely about the vibes. And like, it doesn't really matter if you don't fancy them, but because you can kind of like, you know, you can have a nice, interesting conversation with someone as long as their vibes yeah. are good. Mm. But like, Serena is not even choosing people with no. good vibes. Like, it's not even that they're not good looking or whatever. It's like the vibes are bad. Um, so I wanted to capture that just like the many, many, many ways that you can incorrectly make a choice about how you're going to spend your evening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, many different schmucks of the internet. (laughs) And the self-righteousness of some of the dates as well. Like one guy even asked her, gave, asked her for the money back for the drink when he found out it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that's happened to many people out there. I wouldn't be surprised to hear. It never actually happened to me, but I just remember like this one date that I went on and like, it wasn't good. Like, I didn't enjoy it. And uh, like, while we were still there, he was like, oh, like, do you want to do this again? Like, he just assumed that I'd want to do it again. And I was like, no, thank you. Which, you know, as oh a woman, God, that's it's so brave. So, yeah, like, isn't that insane that like, as a woman, like the idea of being like, no, thank you to another date while you're still there is like such a wild thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank I don't think that, uh, no. And he was like, why? And I was like, 
but I because you've asked why yeah like I was just, you know I don't and you can't like I didn't fancy him and I just wanted to be able to say like I just don't think we have anything in common or like I don't I just I'm not feeling it but just to sort you know like a guy that would feel so aggrieved by the idea of mm. someone being like this isn't going to work out and I was like I feel like he w- probably would have wanted his money back so yeah <laughs> like, a real thing that happened to me and maximize it for comedic effect yeah yeah absolutely does well, so well <laughs> I went on a date with a guy once and it obviously wasn't going to work he like li- asked me zero questions That's in about so two hours yeah. so rude and then by the time I got home he was like I thought this was great let's do this again sometime and I said no thanks but no thanks and then he asked me for feedback I was like like a job interview like, like a uh, job interview like written feedback so obviously I, I went to town with it and I was like you literally asked me zero questions I don't understand why you thought this was a good date yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like thanks so much I'll take that on board thanks oh, I mean at least he's getting this at like date one feedback whereas yeah. there's that whole sense of like you have a relationship with someone and then you break up and they take everything that they learn from your relationship to be like a better partner in future and you're like but I want yes to be the one that had the good relationship <laughs> um, yeah so at least he was you know you, you didn't have to spend like years of your life with this guy only horrible hours absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely and you um, helped womankind by yeah. giving him that feedback yeah well true. done yeah um I'm sure the next woman was very grateful to you um but there's another bit in the book where it's Serena's sister who says to her at one point you know she's very much team I forget her Alistair Alistair. and she says to Serena like come on like you're not going to do better than this and that like oh my god like I found her sister really jarring and I was like how how could you say that to anybody, let alone somebody that you love? Um, so I, I, what was, is that like, did you want her sister to be almost like that subconscious voice in any, any woman's head when they're dating that they're, you know, oh God, what if it never gets better than this? And she was sort of an impact, like a personification of that. If you see what yeah. I mean. And also I think that like family often, you know, they think they have your best interests at heart because what they want for you is like stability and security. And that comes from like a good, like a kind place and like a loving place, but it doesn't really take into account, you know, the person that you actually are and like the life that you're actually interested in, in living. So to someone that loves Serena unconditionally, the idea of her sacrificing what to the outside is a very like nice stable life for what like for literally what you know because to the outside you know what is so good about like losing this big loving relationship the stability of like a home that is owned by your partner in like a town that is nice and pretty and safe um, and then moving to like you know a a flat share in London and having like no relationship and no stability um like what is so good about that so I think and and only I do think that maybe only like your family would be the person to say that Mm. so um yeah I feel like I wanted her sister to be this kind of mismatch between like what on paper she should want and the person that she actually is and how it is often the people that know us the best that in theory know us the best and have known us for the longest that have these really entrenched ideas about yeah. the person yeah. that you are and the life that you should want yeah and in many ways her sister as well 
she almost took it personally because that's yeah. the life that she has, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's and like there is nothing intrinsically wrong with those life decisions. It's just whether or not they actually make you happy. And it wouldn't be wrong for Serena to be married and have a family and have a, you know, a stable home. It would just be wrong for her to have done it with that particular person. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like she you know just intrinsically believes that relationships have no value it's just that like it would have been the the incorrect decision yeah. for her to like commit yeah. to this person who she should yeah. not commit to yeah and it it's it, I know I keep saying it but it really has done so well thank you and like Michael. you and you so like you there's probably a part of you that might be like god Joe, maybe her sister's right but because you're living with Serena you're like what a bitch yeah no? yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um and I really loved, and we just touch on this because we don't want to give away any spoilers, was um, that it shows a bit of like Serena at work. And obviously, of course, that's how she meets Nicole. Um, but with any, you know, career experience that's, and how it's portrayed in the movies and whatever, you uncover some really common toxic workplace scenarios. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about your decision to include that part of the storyline without any spoilers. <laughs> Without spoilers, I guess what was important to me in that dynamic was that um, I feel like Serena sort of gets a lot from Nicole. Like Nicole mm. is this real, um, you know, inspiration to Serena and she is really the person that like helps change her life. And I didn't want to end the book with like the, the relationship feeling so imbalanced of like, Nicole is this kind of like impossible heroine figure who cannot really exist. And Serena is this kind of like flawed, messy person who is just like parasiting off this like golden person. So I wanted there to be a way to show that like Nicole is also vulnerable to the bullshit of the world. And Serena is also capable of being a great friend to Nicole. That was like what my my yeah. goal sort of give them both like uh you know sort of almost like to balance swap, it out yeah like swap yeah. character or swap kind of experiences so that you know you understand that these are like they are whole people they're not just like things that you know they're not just like yeah people, I guess yeah yeah um so Bethany you've already mentioned that this is your first adult novel yes. and previously you've written to brilliant YA novels did you find the writing process different at all the only way in which I found I think the main way I found the writing process different between writing for young people and writing for adults was that so I think it is important when you're writing for young people you don't want to be like preachy and didactic and like Mm. um but you do have a responsibility if you're writing for young people like you they there is you do have to be more mindful of like what am I saying if I read this as a young person what would I take away from this like what would be the message that I received and like I don't think all books have to have messages or have to be like morally correct or whatever um but I do think there is more (coughs) I do think there's like more to consider when you're writing for Mm. young people And I do not think necessarily that when you write for adults, you're then like magically free of that responsibility. But Mm. I do think it is a very different thing. So it was the main difference between writing for young people and writing for adults for me was just feeling like I didn't have to be quite 
so like thoughtful about how I expressed stuff I could just do it in a more like yeah a way that just felt more instinctive um but in general it was very similar because I am still I feel like I'm always exploring the same kinds of things I'm always thinking about like bodies and how we feel about ourselves what we expect from our lives and that kind of you know in relation Mm. to the kind of the way that you look yeah and I guess in this one you could explore jilting your fiance in the workplace which you can't really do with younger characters yeah um (laughs) yeah and just I feel like uh I could also have people kind of do stuff that I wouldn't necessarily have them do in a young adult novel yeah yeah just like slightly more freedom yeah yeah and I guess that gave you you more freedom yes yeah um okay we have stolen quite a bit of time um but before we let you go we always like to ask the people that we have on um if they can reco a book to our listeners that they have enjoyed recently so my current uh the so there are many books that I read I also have a book podcast um called what page you on so I read a lot I talk about books a lot, but I feel like there, there will probably be quite a lot of crossover with the books that I read and the books that y'all read. So I'm going to reco a book <laughs> that I have read recently that I loved, that I feel like maybe has flown under the radar. Oh, yeah, bring it. Um, So it's called A Narrow Door by Joanne Harris. Ooh. You know Joanne Harris who wrote Chocolat? Yeah. No? Okay. So this book came out last year in hardback and it came out just now in paperback, A Narrow Door. And if you like kind of psychological thrillers, it is so good. Ooh. It's so like dark and juicy and mysterious. These very kind of like weird nightmarish uh, images, but it's not supernatural. It's all completely based in reality. Um, mm. But I loved it and it had really flown under my radar until I read it because I interviewed her for our podcast. Um, so that's why I'm going to reco. A Narrow Door by Joanne Harris, because I've read recently, you have probably also read. <laughs> but um, yeah, that is my record. Okay, narrow- I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank yeah. you. Lauren loves a psychological thriller. I do. Yeah. I think you will like this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and listeners, this book is, co- no, not this, not that book. This book, Welcome to Your Life, is currently <laughs> 99p on Kindle for the month of May. So Ooh. you've got half of the month by the time this episode comes out to make sure that you download and read it um because that is a bargain that's just for may and you if you don't have, have a kindle you don't have <laughs> to buy it you can just, read it anytime you want as long as you buy it in may for now yeah that's all that is a very you valid point. whatever you want you don't have to read it. i don't i don't mind either way i would just rather read it just have it on your kindle for a rainy day and then you know it's there but buy it now yeah. while it's 99p um bethany thank you so so much it's been an absolute joy to chat with you again can't believe we've got to do this twice now (laughs) yeah I'm very honored that you asked me because I so enjoyed meeting you both at NKT4 and I was very honored that you wanted me to to come on so thank you for having me the pleasure is ours and it was so lovely meeting you at NKT4 and what a lovely bookshop as well we love indie bookshops we love Mm -hmm. so we'll pop um your reco in the show notes we'll also pop your book podcast in the show notes for anyone that's going to stay over there um and thank you again thank you so much for having me Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, then like, subscribe, leave a rating and review. It costs you nothing, but it genuinely means the world to us. And you could share it with your reading buddy too, couldn't you? 
And if you don't already, then follow us on Instagram at BookRecos for, funnily enough, more book recommendations. See you next week. We'll be here.